In 2020, four friends decided to listen to every one of the greatest 500 albums as decided by Rolling Stone magazine. This resulted in a text chain that celebrated the music, excoriated the order, and led us to making this podcast. We are far from experts, and we promise to do almost no research. All opinions are our own, unless you disagree. Please sit back and enjoy. Beck did it better. We are all the way up to album 15, Public Enemies 1988. It takes a nation of millions to hold us back. So, guys, one thing I noticed about this album that I thought was really cool is that it seems like a voice, like a a siren helps you just say anything. It sounds awesome. Mm. So I've decided yeah. to go through some of my like voicemail it. but put a siren in the background. I think it's going to rock. Let's listen. Give it a whirl. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Ward. This is the penis doctor. Ooh. I have the result of your last test. It's, it's not good. Uh -oh. It's like really not good. I, I've never seen a penis quite this messed up. It's okay. The siren, the siren helps. The siren definitely helps. Yeah, I think the siren. Yeah, <laughs> it's, de it's definitely better. It doesn't seem that bad. That's definitely better, better, better news than what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, <laughs> he might be calling to say it's too big. So you know, <laughs> I guess that's possible. Off. It's too thick. Your voicemail takes forever. It's really annoying, and I don't love you anymore. Oh, I'm sorry, but I'm moving out and taking my kids. <laughs> By the way, this is Jenny. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that's not great. Well, not going to lie, the voice seems the like siren did not help that. I was wondering why you were eating Thanksgiving by yourself. <laughs> the siren it's got to be way easier to worse. stomach that with that siren in the background. i got to say you know that, what? Rob. It if does your wife's leaving you, that siren yeah. can get you through it. All right, let's go one more. i got one more voicemail. Hi, Father. <laughs> I love my new daddy more than me. Oh. He is better looking, and Mommy has more fun with okay. him. <laughs> I love you, John. He's talking about Steve? Okay. <laughs> when you want to hear about the greatest albums of all time, but you're just too lazy to look it up online. If you want to hear from guys who chat and then they get off track, I've got the perfect podcast for you, Jack. Beck did it better. Yeah, I think I was right. That siren, that siren really worked out well. Welcome everybody to <laughs> Beck Did It Better. Uh, so here's the deal. Uh, this is three guys. I want to introduce everybody. We got three guys here who would they want to believe the hype? If only there were any about this podcast. We've got uh, Russell in Minnesota. Russell, how are you doing today? Come on, let's crank this shit up and get busy, Rob. All right, I got Matt in <laughs> Minneapolis. Matt, how are you doing? Great, Rob. Thanks for having me. And I've got Aaron out in Oaktown. How are you doing, Aaron? I'm dangerous even when I'm unarmed. I'm good. And, I, and I've got Brandon and Krista. In Mini Wait a minute. Brandon and Krista in Minneapolis. I was Wait. wondering if there's a... I think it's guys. Crystal. Crystal. Did we get a they had to watch us do that whole yeah. intro. It was absolutely humiliating to be like, well, this is the joke we're going to set up. No laughs, I noticed. No laughs whatsoever. Big bummer. Uh, Brandon and Krista, how are you guys doing? Doing great. What's going on, guys? We're good. Yes. So you are, you two are here because, uh, A, you are pretty much our two downloads of, of the, every week. And I, I, you appreciate, wanna... I do appreciate that Brandon uses all of his devices at home to download numerous mm -hmm. times. That has been very helpful for us. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even know Palm Pilots could get uh, <laughs> podcasts. And Carrie and her Blackberry, it's been amazing the downloads she's got yeah. on that. <laughs> Thank you, Carrie. All right. So we are, they, you guys, well, tell, why, why did you want to come on? How about that? Let's, I'll let you guys talk well you guys talked about wonderwall a few weeks ago and then it kind of came up again with russell's cousin and mm. i just i i enjoy the song to be honest so i couldn't uh, disagree more with 
what your cousin said with all due respect for us. So so some of us have the take, Matt and I have the belief that Wonderwall is a terrible stadium song for a soccer team. My cousin, who is a season ticket holder, kind of reinforced that. You're coming from a different perspective, huh? Um, yeah. First of all, we are also season ticket holders, so we also have some, you know, skin in the game here. And you have two season go. tickets. Well, actually four, but we... Oh, yeah. my God. So okay. we're going to listen to you. Some of the, forget <laughs> Russ's cousin. Well, look, I'm going to set this up, because Brandon and I... Very good friends for extremely long time. And Krista, known her since college. So very good friend. That's a long time now, too. Holy cow. Mm -hmm. So they, you know, they they avid listeners of the podcast. And if anybody that I know in this whole state has anything to say about uh, soccer in Minnesota, it would be Brandon. He knows more than anybody I could ever. He probably listened to about 15 podcasts a week just on balloon soccer don't you brandon yeah yeah well and yeah. The, the 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 thing with the song is it does have kind of a, a cool history because when they were in the lower divisions their coach uh he used to they would take bus rides and he would like jam in the back of the bus with his guitar and the guys would all sing along and this that song, sounds like hell to me <laughs> can you imagine can you imagine your fucking coaches on the bus playing the guitar and you gotta be like oh you're so good like the one guy's like oh you suck and he's like oh guess what you're 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 on the bench or wherever you go in soccer I think if it's I'm going back to the strikers if I clap along with this song he's gonna let me be fourth yeah. in line for penalty kicks he's gonna let me wear that armband and let if I get injured they'll definitely use that spray on my calf when I get injured <laughs> You must watch a lot of soccer. Yeah, yeah. You got to nail expert. So, so what is the story, Brandon? Okay, so you start. So, so they would sing all these songs, and then it just so happened while they were doing it in a playoff run, they had uh, a cameraman behind the scenes, kind of doing footage. And after one of their wins, they were in the locker room, and they just started kind of singing this song out, like excited after a win. And it got filmed and United put it out on their like website for like their fans. Pre-United. They weren't the United at that time. Yes, correct. They were actually the NFC stars. Yeah, the stars. The fans all liked it. And so the fans at one of the games following started singing the song to the players after they won. And the players chimed in. So it, it kind of started out. Uh, really organic. So it was organic. Yeah. It was organic. <laughs> For sure. All right. Well, but there's another that, connection yeah. too. And then, so that that was their old coach, and their new coach actually knows the Gallagher's because he used to play for Manchester City. And That's I guess the those guys would like yep. wash the the brothers would wash all the players' cars for extra money what? because they were wait what yeah wow. So this was before they were a big band to get extra money. They would those guys would come wash like the Manchester City players' cars, and so now Adrian Heath is the coach. Wonderwall is like the song with United, and now you have this coach that comes in and has a bit of a relationship and, with. And the, is it a song that you sing only after they score a goal, or do you sing it any time? It's no. after win. After okay, after win. It's All like right. a team song. It's not a stadium yeah. song. And it's it's actually pretty cool. I'm by no means like this huge music guy. I wasn't like an Oasis fan, 
But when you're standing in the stadium and like everybody's singing it after a song, I've heard like a lot of players from road teams come in and they're like, whoa, this is actually pretty sweet. Yeah. I want, like, I just want you to imagine the like perfect Minnesota night. You've got a buzz from that $18 craft beer that you kept buying anyway. And then the team wins and they start playing that song and the whole stadium starts singing along. They're holding their scarves up and they cut the music, but you can hear the song. Oh, still see, that's, yeah, see, I'm all in on that. That's what I want. And it's that's amazing. Yep. And then that's what I want to hear about. Call, they call the fan section where it's like the people that follow the team religiously. Supporters. The supporters, like the um, Dark Cloud and the... What's the other one? The True North. They're like the soccer games. They call that the Wonder Wall, where they all sit together. So good. So I'm going to have to say, I have have two quick thoughts. One thought is Matt made it sound to us like this was the song they played when they scored a goal. And that's not the case. It turns out this is an after game song. Yeah. Yeah. So Matt misrepresented that one. But the other thing I'm wondering is, so they use Gallagher for this. Do they smash watermelons at halftime of the yes. soccer games too or not? <laughs> no, it's it's crazy because that Gallagher recently did actually wash my car here in New York. It was crazy. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> did he like put like a big tarp over it and then just start smashing watermelons yeah, around yeah. you or not? Yeah, it was, it was a disaster. I misread the sign outside. Uh, when when uh, COVID's all done and they're playing and we'll, have to, we'll bring you guys to a game. I'll fly in for that. I'm, I'm in for that. I'll fly in for that. That's a, well, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like a Beck did a better field trip. Hey, yeah. field trip. Why How old are we that we're going on a field trip? Why did I say field trip? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, all of that makes complete sense, Brandon and Krista. You know, I still think That's that. Krista? Crystal, Crystal, Man, you confuse Person. me sometimes. You got to focus more, dude. It's Your so embarrassing to off. make these jokes when there's other people watching. This is humiliating. That's why you just don't. You look at your other monitor. You don't look I, at them in the Zoom. This, yeah, I, you yeah, I can't away. believe it. Is this what it's like online dating, Russell? Is this what it's like all the time? No, that's way worse. Way oh, worse what a nightmare! This, this this would be the best date I've ever had online right now. <laughs> I just I just think that this is my 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 parting shot, and this is more. I think a. Uh, my personal, my lacking of knowing soccer more than anything is that if I were to come to a game for the first time and I show up and the loons win, Minnesota United wins, and all of a sudden the whole crowd breaks into that song, I would say, what the fuck? And everyone Personally. would look at you and say, you're I, a mean I, old daddy. I would say, they I would. would say, let's sing with this song. This sounds great. Yeah. And then I think it probably, you know, if, if they cut the music and I would, I would, it would all, it would, it would all come together and I think it'd be fine. But I'd still be shaking my head at first. And I'd think, what the, you know, this is the song we're singing, but and, and, I get it. And then it's got a great story here. And then Matt would go home and it would be Halloween and his kids would have a Halloween costume ready for him and he would just be pissed. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it would just be like piling one on top of another. Terrible thing after terrible thing. Oh, they sweetie, were probably how... listening to Joni Mitchell at the same time. Too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, hey, hey, we don't need oh, to bring sweet... that up again. Sweetie, how was your, how was your soccer game with all your friends? I couldn't fucking believe it. They played music at the end of the game. It was very disruptive. I didn't like it. All right. Sounds good. Stay downstairs. Thank you. Uh, so that is, so, so that is the story of Wonderwall and it does involve washing cars. So I do win a $10 bet on that one. So that's great. <laughs> I, 
I'm telling you guys, when that song comes on, I want to sing along. It is a legit good stadium this song. Is that saying. is all you need. Agreed. You cannot sing along with "Let's Go Crazy." I mean, it's you just we, can't do it. We, you can we try. were divided on dance this. Along. We were divided on this before, but I think I'm going to flip flop here. I thought this was a song they played when they scored a goal. This is a post game song. I'm on board. I think Beck did it better. Gives it the the seal of approval or the thumbs wow, up. Flip flop. Shout out the new climate are. <laughs> you <laughs> play it. We don't have any sound clip for giving our seal of approval, so I'll just make one up right now. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, I missed something, so we do have to listen to this whole song. So, okay, so that's a part you don't see, guys, when we record this podcast. We actually have to listen to all these songs. Just kidding. Enjoy yeah. Brandon and Chris. That's, that's such a good one. Hey, so Brandon. Uh, they, they didn't the, the wild when Prince died, didn't they change their goal songs every time a goal scored to let's go crazy? Yeah. Just for that year. That just, just makes that sense. Yeah. That's just good. That's it just was, good smarts. It was okay. They actually let the fans vote to like turn it back to the old one or keep Prince. And they chose to put it back to the old one. So, uh, I, oh, did, oh, I would have picked who, that hey, Prince song question. where he was masturbating with a magazine on the lobby. I would have done that. I would have voted for that one. A thousand Darling times. Me all day. Oh my god, so good. <laughs> who who do you think has more fans? People that download our podcast or people that voted on the Minnesota Loon soccer song? <laughs> cool. No, they they only play that little Nikki Aaron if they uh if there's uh, a man in the crease illegal. <laughs> oh wait, wait, wait like I got it, I got joke. Okay, here play it comes. That for soccer for an own goal. Oh, I like that. I like first that. Joke. Is that how, what you joke. think of masturbating? Is that That's it's my, an own goal? It's my first yeah. joke of the podcast. It's like that shooting on gross. yourself. Yeah. I, don't I don't like that either. I'm saying it in such a weird way. Yeah, I don't like any of this. <laughs> I think of it as an extra point. All right. So that is that is the end of some actual music history on Beck Did It Better. All right. All right. Thanks for having us on, guys. No, yeah, thanks. Hey, thanks for coming Thank on. Guys so much. Appreciate, appreciate it. Yeah. for listening, too. All right. Let's go right from that to our voicemail. Oh, nice. Hey, Beck did it better. Uh, my name is Pete Moe. Um, I live in New York, and I'm a big fan of the show. First time caller. Um, I actually know Rob. We used to work together. Um, anyways, you guys are doing great stuff. But I have a question. Um Last couple shows I've been listening to, I get that Aaron is uh, sleeping in his garage, and it's really funny, but I'm really confused about why he sleeps in a tent in the garage. I've never yeah. heard of anyone sleeping in a tent inside of a garage. He's got rodents, he's got critters. Any room. Um, what's the point of that tent? Also, another question, maybe equally as important, uh, I was wondering if um, Rob asks you guys for pictures of feet and tries to play it off like it's a joke for someone else. Um, he's been doing that for me and my group for a while in our happy hours, so oh, I'm just wondering if he's doing that Where's to you guys. Where's the stop button on this thing? Uh, Rob is right. Questions, that'd be great. All Rob right. is right. So I didn't hear that last Rob, part. It got Rob, garbled, and I think it's getting edited out. Rob, but. it's easier to hit the stop or pause button if you do it with your hand on the mouse and not your feet up in the Zoom camera. <laughs> Put those things away. It's not look cool. These, look at these dirty little piggies. So, Aaron, the question is, why are you sleeping in a tent out in the garage? Why weren't you just, you know, I don't know, like raw dogging it out there? And it, <laughs> whoa. Uh, the answer Did you want to cover up when you were scoring an own goal or what? I, <laughs> See, Rob. Yeah, do that in you, front of a You appreciate it, but now that, that joke's coming back all episode long. 
because um, no, we, I feared that there were rats living out here, and the tent was to protect me from the rats. So it was a uh, that way. If I slept inside the tent, uh, the rats would not uh, bother me at night. So pretty simple explanation. Uh, I still have yet to see an actual rat, but uh, that's that was the deal. All right, so let's talk about so Matt, so Aaron is sleeping in the tent because of critters. Ter- absolutely terrifying. Let's get into rolling going. It's 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 time to see what everybody's up to. It's time for rolling going. Oh, oh god, that's embarrassing. Yeah. You know, it really it really was embarrassing to have somebody watch us do the opening bit and then us making jokes, and I was like, God damn, it's good. It's, Rob, it's, fun. Rob's, it's fun. Rob, we don't comment on that. They might have been so terrible, we need to cut Christine out. Oh, that's true. That's true. And, and we're going to cut him out and then we're just going to leave space. Like there's not even anything there. It's like, yeah, this is better than what we got. All right. So we just had two guests of our biggest fans and we are burning on them after they leave. So classic Beck did it better bridge burning style. Oh, yeah. All right, Matt, rolling going. How's it going with you? Uh, going good, Rob. Um, I've Russell has gotten me fully, full on addicted into buying vinyl lately. Nice. Do you hear that? It's time to talk about <laughs> I like that that sound drop I made is about 30 seconds long, so we all sit here like, Jesus Christ, this is too long. Okay, Matt, I'm sorry. Keep going. No, so, but I, I've got a huge dilemma because... You have a huge dilemma. I've got a huge. Oh, yeah. Unlike little Rosie, I've got a huge dilemma. you got to wear some longer <laughs> shorts next time you go to that store then. Yeah. yeah. All right. So... Oh, Rob, Rob, you like that joke. Uh, Just the idea of somebody having a huge dong and your solution is to wear shorts (laughs) is very funny to me. It could be very gorgeous. Don't wear your umbrellas. Oh, no. Don't do it. You know, I actually did that. Matt, shut up for a second. I actually did that where I went and got shorts tailored for me because I was like, listen, I don't want those fat guy like shorts, like the Kevin Smith shorts. Have you ever seen his jeans that he wore that one time with these huge shorts? I'll show you after the podcast. But I didn't want long shorts to go over the knee, so I took them to a tailor uh, here on wherever I live, and I uh, had them tailor it short. And then when I got them back, they are so short. It is ridiculous. I have to wear underwear with them all the time. Otherwise, it looks like there's some sort of like Were you science experiment. What do you do with your other pairs of pants? No, I don't always. It's guys, you don't always have to wear underwear every day. Okay? All right, that's we don't why they're called underwear. Rob's dilemmas. We need to move back to Matt and the record store. I don't want to hear any yeah, more no, about Rob's underwear dilemmas. But if I'm sitting down in these shorts, oh, it looks no. like a science experiment that's trying to break out. It looks like a jailbreak. <laughs> so I got to be really careful. It looks like you know when you. Okay. Yeah. So anyway. So yeah, Matt has a record, dilemma. Matt, record go ahead. Store. Talking about balls or something. I'm still So here's my dilemma. My dilemma is this. I go to these record stores, right? And there is a million records of which about two or three of them I really want to buy. Usually there's some newer artists. I mean, the one I got recently at uh, uh, one here in Minneapolis, I got the, the new 21 Pilots album. Found that used. It was great. Happy to find it, but... Anything I really like, I've been trying to find rumors since we did uh, the rumors episode. Because you like the cover, huh? You like the cover where you can see from his short shorts those things that are hanging down. Yeah, yeah. It happened like to Mick cover. Fleetwood too. I get. I think it. I yeah, think Ying Yang Twins it. designed that cover. If I'm correct, <laughs> <laughs> Ying Yang. <laughs> and so, but I, I, I go and it's not there. But I can go to Target.com or Best Buy.com, and I can buy 
Rumors brand new album, and I can get it for about ten bucks cheaper than any of these record stores, and I feel crappy about it. So I'm looking at Rosie specifically on this. <laughs> yeah, like, you got you got to buy local. I can get I, and so I I buy all of my Pearl Jam albums uh, from PearlJam.com if I can't buy them at a record store because there's not a lot of record stores that carry older Pearl Jam albums, things like that. So if I can't support the artists by buying it from their website. Well, then I try to buy the the local, but if I can't find anything I really want to spend my money on, like, is it okay to buy from target? Rosie, can you go up to that I mean, guy with the long hair behind the counter and be like, dude, can you order rumors? Like what the that's hell? A, that's a good I mean, question. Always, I wonder if we can do that. You always, yeah, that's true. You could ask him to order it. That That's, I mean, yeah. uh, my my recommendation, and I was having this discussion with a family member of mine, I would always check Discogs.com because I do think that uh, record stores from all around the world are able to sell their stuff on Discogs. I mean, it's Disc, always okay to what, buy what, from... Hold on, what is that? Disc what? Discogs, D-I-S-C-O-G-S.com. Okay. That's the place you can find it. very inappropriate website. Sounds like way too inappropriate. I went there once, but it's because I mistyped a site I was trying to get to. Okay to buy from Target in a pinch, but I, I, yeah, I, I think it's important to support local. When well, you can. Rob, then, Rob did a Google search on sweat dropping off his balls, and it actually, it actually <laughs> took him to Discogs. Well, no, actually, what Discogs? what I need is I need to protect my eyes from that happening, so I wanted Discogs, but I mistyped it. But I did get but, the Discogs, in case you are wondering. But uh, Target has gone full on. I mean, they're 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 dedicating a. Huge amount of shelf space to vinyl these days. I told you, and it's making and a for, comeback. And for the and for Black Friday, uh, like Pearl Jam had a purple album that came out, and I, since I'm a member of the of the uh, fan club, you know, I got it. They they sent it out about a month ago, saying, "Hey, you can buy this special purple album." You know, since you're a fan, eighteen bucks. And I tried to get it, I got in late. But then two weeks later, it comes out that it's on the Target Black Friday ad, so they're selling this purple. 10 album at at target so then i go there to try to find one just to see what else and they've got every other album is going to blink 182 and appetite for destruction and weezer and nat king cole and they got like they're just going full on like they're they're, they're putting a whole bunch of, of uh stock in and selling vinyl sold out a herbie man and so yeah, I would I check out Russell's bus. mom's basement. Have you have you tried to break in over there? I think that might be a good place to get all your albums <laughs> that you need. No, but all right. So that that's my big dilemma, and I I get these albums that I I want, and I can't find them. But I, I try to find them other places to buy local. But I don't know. And so I'm kind of uh, I'm getting slightly addicted to buying vinyl, but I kind of feel bad about it. You know, if, if the record it, stores so. had records that people wanted, you would go buy them there, right? Like, they don't have any records that people have ever heard of at these stores. They have records that Aaron would probably love and pick through <laughs> and buy 12 of them. I but, think you got to go talk to the guy who's running the store and just be like, listen, I want to oh, no buy this way, from way you. Way too much pressure. No way. That, that's what? a dilemma and a half. No, I don't you're even talking care what shorts I'm wearing. Records. I'm not it's like the one reason he's there. <laughs> it's also the difference between you, you, you guys who own houses, and me who does not. So I, I keep my record buying now to a minimum because I'm, I know that someday I'm going to have to move this shit. So I, mm. I, I haven't been buying a whole lot. So when I buy something, it's because I really it's like a number one thing that I need. I think the last thing I bought was Love Supreme. So I, I don't have the same luxury of just like grabbing stuff. So I can say like I'm only going to buy it local because I can wait for a year to get it. 
But I think part of the thing about records too is like, think about passing those on to your kids and then they go out and make a podcast where they make a bunch of masturbation jokes right at the beginning. You'd be like, I'm so proud of you. You know what I mean? Like, this is what I want. Like if your kid made the podcast we're making right now, you'd be like, what a failure. Can you imagine if your daughter married a guy and he had a podcast? Well, I think Bernie, I, I think I might Bernie. support that that guy's doing something creative and in a cool way. And he's also cool and fun. Aaron, Aaron, rolling going. How are you doing? Uh, no, God damn it. Rolling going, Aaron. What's going on? Yeah. What's the earliest on the podcast that we can steal someone else's bit? You've been doing it for weeks now, Aaron. Just go for it. Here we it. go. My rolling going <laughs> is I do not like college sports. I believe the NCAA is a cartel. I try not to pay attention for personal and emotional reasons, but I have to say my rolling going is rolling cyclone because my cyclones <laughs> of Iowa state <laughs> beat the Texas Longhorns today. And they are seven and two sitting atop the big 12 in college. I'm football. so pissed so that Aaron stole my bit. I'm, I'm a, a fan. I was going to do a whole bit on Iowa state cyclone football today. And Aaron <laughs> yeah. beat me to it. I'm, bit stealer. This is a, like, this is not what I was expecting. I thought you were going to do Nobody a Nobody likes a bit stealer. Or a Beck did it better, but no, you went with Iowa State Cyclone football. I, am I, don't, like, cyclone. I don't like Iowa State because at halftime, they always turn to that children's hospital and give them the thumbs down. That's I'm like, you know, you don't have to be that different. You're to like, do you're, you that's, can try you to be it like, wrong. still is similar. I don't know. I see what maybe you're trying a, to do. Maybe that's a dream I had. <laughs> well, Aaron, I'm so very similar because I don't give a I, shit about I, that rolling going. So that's great. I have great. to say, can I say something about Aaron's rolling going? So I actually, when back when I was a sports fan, Aaron and I, our junior year of college, we went to a football game in Nebraska when Nebraska was like the number one team in the country. They had Eric Crouch, I believe, who went on went on to win to the, win Heisman. the Heisman. Yeah. And we went with a couple of our friends and, and Aaron walks in and I went and bought like a Nebraska T-shirt. I figured like I don't care about either of these teams. I'm just here for the game. I'm just going to here to have fun. So we go in and Aaron wears like his Iowa State shirt, his Iowa State hat. And Iowa State's down 40 nothing to zero at the half. They're just yes. getting just getting boat raced. Yeah. And so they come out in the second half and they had Seneca Wallace at the time, who was like this star quarterback for Iowa state went on to play in the pros and everything. He's right. probably like Iowa state's greatest player ever. I would say or up there at least. Yeah. And so in the third or fourth quarter, it's probably the fourth beginning of the fourth quarter. And they're, they're just getting crushed. And at the end of a play, a Iowa state defensive lineman takes like a cheap shot at Eric Crouch, like hits him late. They throw a flag. The crowd is just booing like crazy that they took a cheap shot at Crouch. And Aaron stands up in the middle of this crowd and and there can't be more than 10 people wearing yellow. And Aaron stands up and he's like, that's what you fucking get for leaving in your Heisman trophy winner when you're up 50 points. And I looked at Aaron. I was like, we are not going to make it out of here alive. I was terrified. So Aaron Aaron definitely has his allegiances to the Cyclones. Yeah, when the Cyclones win, my family's happy, so it makes me happy. I thought about going to some Vikings games, like going to Philadelphia on the train or going to some Giants-Vikings game, and I'm just like, I'm not going to do it because I'm going to wear my Vikings jersey, and then somebody's going to hit me with like a can of beer in the back of the head, and I was like, I don't need this. I had a rough experience in Detroit going to a Vikings-Lions game in Detroit where people came up and were screaming at me, throwing stuff at me and whatnot. It was not pleasant. All right. So congratulations, Rosie. I'm glad that uh, the Hawkeyes are doing well. Uh, oh, also, Rob, uh, actually, you stupid asshole. Let's We're do let's let's fight, <laughs> fight, fight, fight. That's all the same to me. Okay. Uh, rolling going, Russell. Rolling going. How's it going with you? Rolling going. I know this is delayed a little bit when people are going to listen to it, but I actually watched this golf match today. The match it was called. It was Charles Barkley and Phil Mickelson versus Steph Curry 
Ooh. and Peyton Manning in like this golf thing where it's 18 holes, kind of a match play golf thing. And they did one with Tiger Woods and Tom Brady before. And now it was Barkley and Mickelson versus Steph Curry and Peyton Manning. But I had a few thoughts when I was watching this and I wanted to see what you guys thought about it. I like to hear my, it. My, my, the first thing I was wondering is, do you guys think golfers are really good at golf or they're just the people that played a lot of golf? Like, if Peyton Manning and Steph Curry and Charles Barkley had golfed all the time when they were kids, would they be better than Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson or not? Not Barkley. Maybe Steph. Uh, Barkley's got That's a really swing. good question. Steph's got a pretty swing, but Barkley, no. Barkley could shout I, out on this album, by the way. Don't you don't you don't you find Sorry, out though? Matt. Don't you find that these athletes, like they whatever they do, they end up being good at it? You know yeah, what I mean? But that's, it's kind of my point. It's like any sport. It's like uh, Brandon from Minneapolis and I have talked about this a numerous times. Numerous times that the soccer in the United States is is not Wait, on par with Europe. We're over our soccer limit for the day, Matt. I'm just going to warn you. But it all comes back. It all comes back. <laughs> is because not, it's like the third or fourth sport. Everybody's playing uh, football or yeah. basketball or something else, you know. And so our best athletes are playing football, basketball. And even yeah. lacrosse style stuff like that, and they're not playing soccer, so they're not coming up through the system. It's the same thing with golf. I mean, it is a privileged sport. There is very few people who grow up mm-hmm. on a public course and end up making it uh, onto the PGA. It, there, if you go look at the the lines from Jack Nicholas down of whose country club kids growing up and, and becoming pro golfers, I mean, it's a privileged sport. And so absolutely, you know, these some of these guys, Steph Curry, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, I think is like a a two handicap, things like that. If some of these guys had it coming up, they would definitely be pro golfers, but not Barkley. I, I, I would have not to Barkley. agree. I mean, those guys, there's such, they're such freaks. And I do also like to think about what if the United States field, the soccer team, and it was like Randy Moss, like Ray Lewis, like all like the top <laughs> athletes at one time, just playing soccer. Right. Fuck you, Brazil. Well, you know, we just blow them out of the water. USA. Number one. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta make it a quick addendum to my rolling going because on on Wednesday, uh, on Wednesday um, afternoon, I went to the grocery store to do some last minute Thanksgiving shopping, and it turned out that uh, the grocery store that I went to was beautifully empty, uh, very few people. Uh, they were playing some really good tunes, and then I think everyone who works there is stoned most of the time. And I think most of the clientele was stoned and every, every single person, every single dude who saw me called me brother. And it just felt like so warm and welcoming. It was a beautiful feeling. Like it was the best Thanksgiving weekend Coconut kickoff I could have. Everybody was like, yeah, brother. Hey, what are, you, what are you looking for, man? Like it was wonderful. Are you sure that you weren't in the restaurant <laughs> in the, uh, in the grocery store where the deli was run by maybe a famous wrestler who has a mustache, <laughs> just like the movie, the wrestler. He was like, Hey brother, you want some pastrami brother? He's like, hey, brother, I got some sushi over here. Oh, my God, I've been eating like a fucking pig. <laughs> Guys, can we have an episode where we don't talk about a sex tape? Please, I'll say it Rob, again. rolling going. How's it going with you? How's stuff. it going with you, Rob? <laughs> I want to talk about the Grammy controversy that we have going on right now i actually you guys What's might have forgotten this is actually a music podcast yeah, yeah. so <laughs> this is a music podcast so we're gonna we're gonna get into the grammys oh did somebody say me oh. wait who is this <laughs> ringo. Came out the Zoom call. Welcome back, ringo. wait, wait do we get hey zoom guys, I, I heard, oh wait it was I lost the voice a little bit i heard you somebody oh, said granny, granny. It's great to have you on this podcast. <laughs> wait, you're so much yeah. more engaging than christine I, on this podcast it's great to have you here, granny <laughs> 
Thanks. Yeah, I I like listening to podcasts. You know, when I was younger, I used to date the Big Whoa. Bopper. <laughs> How'd he go for you? Chanty- did you give oh, him the Chantilly I'd, lace I'd put, or not? I'd put on nipple clamps, and he loved it. He thought it was great. <laughs> well, gotta go. See you guys later. <laughs> wow, guys. That was weird, because uh, somebody just logged into the Zoom call, and all the things said on the screen was we dirty grand. We password on that. <laughs> Brandon. Brandon passed it on. Brandon from Minneapolis passed it on. <laughs> It seems like maybe anytime somebody says the word Grammy, there's a chance that Dirty Granny might log back yes, in <laughs> and have some very short bits. All right. I mean, uh, conversations. So this weekend, Grammy controversy, I don't know if you guys were paying attention to music. You guys are watching sports or whatever. Uh, but the the band artist, uh, 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 The weekend, no ease in that, yep. uh, had the song Blinding Lights. Let me play this for you guys just to give weekend. you an idea. Their albums are longer. So here we go. This is the this is the song that has set the all-time record for being in the top five on the Billboard yeah. charts. Banger. It was on the charts for this year. It was on the charts for 28 weeks. It beat out Ed Sheeran for that record. 80 cent. And you want to guess? You want to guess how many Grammys this guy got nominated for this year? My granny's never heard of this album, so none. Ooh, Wait, did somebody nice. say granny? I, I haven't heard this. <laughs> You haven't heard this song? I don't know it. Oh. Oh, my God. So uh, good. It must have been nominated for, like, Song of the Year, right? Or Record of the Year? Yeah, the answer is absolutely zero. It got zero Grammy nominations. And so he came out, uh, he came out, and he tweeted right after the Grammy nominations were out this week, and he said, the Grammys remain corrupt. You owe me, my fans, and the industry transparency. So what they think, according to Variety and Rolling Stone, okay, and this is late, this is hot off the press, uh, and you're listening to it like three weeks later, but they, th- what they say is that the weekend was asked to play at the Grammys and at the Super Bowl, and they're a week apart. A weekend apart, right? Yeah, and so he said, I don't, you know, he's like, this, it's there are too many concerts too close. We got to talk about doing this, and apparently the talks became really contentious, and he eventually agreed to play both. But what the rumor is, is that because the talks were so contentious that the Grammy said, guess what? We're not nominating you oh, for anything. Oh, I didn't know this. So this so is in, just a spite So thing. instead they nominate. Oh, uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of inside baseball kind of stuff. Who has time to listen to the to new music when we're trying to study for this podcast? Like this, this album today is from 1988 and all the samples are from 1969 or 1971. I didn't even know there was The weekend released a new song this year. I got to well, get Who would have known that I know more about modern music than the rest of you guys? This is wild. Yeah, to me. it's crazy. I know. I didn't Wikipedia even know. Wikipedia is a great thing. I, I, I read through the Grammy nominees today and I like half of them I haven't heard. So I'm going to have to do some research. We should maybe do a Grammy episode just so we should get up, get up with the, the now. We can't. We cannot do a whole episode with that granny again. She was filthy. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Guys, I okay. I'll put a password on. I, okay, the password is going to be hot granny. <laughs> okay. So here's the thing. Let's talk about. Let's talk about this album real quick. We're talking about it takes a nation of millions to hold us back by um, by uh, Public Enemy, and this is really our first. Would you say this is our first rap album we've done? I mean, Lauren Hill. Is that that's not really oh, rap? I would, is yeah, it? I would, I would say, and I would say that this is really, I think that, uh, and Rob, I don't want to step on your intro. I think it's really cool that this is what ended up as the top rap album on this list. I don't want to give away my final rating, but if someone had asked me, you know, what do you think is going to be the top rated rap album on any list, I would say Illmatic by Nas, uh, maybe Ready to Die by Biggie or Wu Tang Enter the 36 Chambers. But listening this whole week, this album is so influential. 
it is of its time. It could never be made again. And uh, I think it's really cool. It's the top rap album. This, this actually was one of my favorite bands I've researched so far. And I really, I, I watched a couple documentaries. There's a great one called Prophets of Rage on YouTube. If you want to turn this off and go listen to that. But basically Public Enemy <laughs> is essentially. As long as you download it first, go for it. Public Enemy is essentially Chuck D. Chuck D is a guy from Long Island, grew up in the 60s. He's never had a drink in his life. He's totally against drugs. At the time of this album being made, he's older than most of the rappers uh, trying to trying to do it. And what he would do is he would go to these shows, and this is really interesting, is in the 70s, they would have these shows with like, they had this these people who made the beats called Spectrum City. They were like, a, I don't know what you want to call them, a DJ or whatever. And so the Spectrum City was this Hank Shockley and Eric Sadler. And they would play beats, and then at the party, there would be like 20 or 30 guys lined up to rap over the beats, right? And so Chuck D would get on there and his, he said, I didn't want anyone else to get on the mic and rap after me. So I tried to be as scary as possible when I was, <laughs> when I was laying down um, my rhymes. And so this Hank Shockley and Eric Sadler heard him and they said, God, we got to get this guy. We got to like start working with him. They set out to make a Marvin Gaye equivalent is what they've said uh, uh, to what's going on in, as a rap album. And so then, though, you have this Flavor Flav, right, who all of a sudden was a radio DJ that worked with these guys and putting out beats. And Chuck D just identified that this is the guy who's the exact mm. opposite of me. He's a total like character uh, in the documentary. Flavor Flav is like, yeah, you know, my drugs never really affected <laughs> anything. I had to miss a couple shows, <laughs> but that's it. Like that's, that's it. And he's just this totally different guy. And you'll see him like they go out and they're dressed in military gear and they're all super serious. And Chuck D looks just scary as hell. And then Flavor Flav is in an all neon suit with a giant clock around his neck. But when, um, Run DMC heard these guys. They were so impressed by it that they ran to their uh, guy, Rick Rubin, at Def Jam. And they said, you need to sign Chuck D right now. And they called and called. And Chuck D's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't really care about this stuff. And finally, he said, okay, I'll, I'll sign. And they said, okay, well, we want you, but we don't want Flavor Flav. And he said, no, no, no. You take me and Flavor at the same time. And so he, they kind of brought all these guys in together. Then all of a sudden, we have Professor Griff sign on who is on this album a couple times just speaking, but he's their minister of information. My understanding is essentially he would do like a lot of the research that led to Chuck D's lyrics. That was my mm -hmm. understanding of what his role was kind of. Is that correct? He's kind of the guy, yeah, who who really kind of cultivated the political views of the group. Uh, and then, so then you have this, this Terminator X who's huge. He's this very scary guy, never takes off the glasses. And then you have, once again, you have Flavor Flav come out and he's like, I'm going to do my dance. And then he starts running around. It's just a crazy, crazy to see this. So they released the album, uh, their first album, Yo Bum Rush the Show, which got delayed a whole year because Bruce Springsteen and Beastie Boys didn't put out an album. Then all of a sudden everybody's like, oh, rap has totally changed. It's totally changed its sound. So on the 1987 Def Jam tour through Europe, uh, they get together and they come out with a Rebel Without a Pause. And everything just blows up. And they say, we wanted to crank all our music up by 10 beats per minute to just because everybody loved our live show. Those, that's what we were trying to get with this whole album. So that's that's the that's the key or that's the history of it takes a million nation of millions to hold us back. I am going to say before I stop and I know I've been talking too long. The, anything that these guys name rocks. Flavor Flav, awesome name. Chuck D, awesome name. Terminator X, probably the best name of all time. These track names on this album are absolutely ridiculously named, and I'm here for I think for one it. I thing think about the, the track names, yeah. and I could be wrong on this, but my understanding is a lot of the track names are named after other songs or other kind of things in pop culture at the time. So I think that's why some of the reason why the names click with people is they're, they're names that are kind of recognizable or they're names that relate to other things in pop culture at the time. All right, should we get into the album? 
First one, countdown to Armageddon. Armageddon. Oh my God. Here's Professor Griff coming out and yelling at everybody. This is actual live concert footage, right? Yeah, so this is them in uh, London on that 1987 Def Jam tour. Oh my God, that siren. I need that siren in my life all the time. Like if I came out in the morning and I was like, kids, do you want waffles or pancakes? And the siren is playing, everybody would be like, yeah. (laughs) Bring the noise. I mean, that pretty much sums it up, right? It's like this, it's like this rap, but it's, it's something you never heard before. It's just this noise in the background. I think he's that coming noise out is start- actually Funkadelic. So I was excited that uh, this record gave me a reason to go back and listen to Funkadelic. And my son is three and three quarters, three and a half, I guess. And he's finally at a point where when I put Funkadelic on the car stereo, you can see it blow his mind in real time. So I'm super, I was super stoked, but I'm, I'm pretty sure Bring the Noise. Uh, I did a lot of reading this week, uh, Christopher Christopher Weingarten's book about this uh, about this album. And I think that uh, kind of squeal and bring noises from um, Get Off Your Ass and Jam by Funkadelic. Did you go and listen to everything that this album samples? You can't. It's I could like no, I didn't have time to listen samples to all of it. Of song. I listened to as much as I could find. No, I couldn't listen to everything. I mean, some of it I recognize, but I, I didn't listen to everything. Like, it's impossible. But is this like one of the first albums, maybe, Aaron, you can touch on this. Is this one of the first albums that was like really focused on sampling is like, that's the whole background music, right? Is sampling of other things that have been done before. Like that's different than when we listen to a band where they're playing the, you know, the three typical instruments or something like that. Is this kind of one of the first albums that really use sampling to really push it forward? Yeah. And there are people who know this technology and this history way better than I do. So you should go read, read them. Um, Christopher Weingarten being the most recent that I read. Um, Jeff Chang being another one, and I'm going to forget the rest. But um, yeah, so again, um, as we talked about with Thriller and Songs in the Key of Life uh, and a few other albums, the story of music is the story of technology. And uh, samplers were um, much more powerful starting around this time. So people could uh, record longer snippets of music and uh, use them within their own music. And so as the technology was growing, the the art itself was growing so it depended on it so the sp12 was the big one um there may have been another sampler that they were using that i've already forgotten but uh yeah i think this is this is the time and also it was before i think of the sp12 usually when i think of samplers I don't know. <laughs> it was before the litigation that came on uh and so this was the wild west you could you could use samples without paying for them and uh, that didn't last that long so yeah i think this was uh, both the beginning of the sampling era and kind of the height of it, because you could never have an album with this many samples on it ever again, because no label was going to pay for it. Yeah. Chuck D talks a lot about how he sued people. He got sued a ton for his samples. And then he sued a lot of people for using his voice, like in a malt liquor commercial. He's like, oh, I'm going to sue right. him for that. He's like, I've been on both sides. It's just the way it is now. He said, you could never make an album like this. It's interesting though. When I think about sampling, I always think about like appetizers. Yeah. I think, I think of walking <laughs> through the, the grocery store and there's that old lady in the corner and she's giving out like the mini wieners with the bacon wrapped around them. 
no one's ever sued me for that yet, but I hope it doesn't happen. <laughs> I should probably not be going back three or four times, but. You walk up to her and go, bass, how low can you go? She's like, here's some pigs in a blanket. But I think that song perfectly sums up this album. I mean, it starts with Malcolm X. Uh, it talks about the Nation of Islam with Louis Farrakhan. And, and he's also talking about, he calls out a number of bands in that song. I mean, Bring the Noise is literally him talking about how a lot of musicians don't think what they do is music at the time. Like they literally just called it noise, which is why they called the, the song Don't Bring the Noise. So next up, we have a Flavor Flav coming in a little bit harder on this one. Don't Believe the Hype. This is the number three single talking about the media. And they use that sax squeal so much. That I think is uh, from James Brown. James Brown also went through the sampling roller coaster. I mean, this voice of Chuck D, super powerful. I mean, everybody said it before, but really powerful. This is one of the first albums where I can understand almost every word he says. Like, a lot of times I don't know what he's referencing, but I can at least understand what he's saying. Uh, and then you have Flavor Flav come in with this totally different vibe. I mean, it's pretty unbelievable. So, Aaron, uh, Aaron, what did you uh, what did you think uh, about that song? song? Yep. Sucks. Oh, okay, whoa. Aaron. Well, that's not appropriate. I don't think we need to say that. I can't believe you'd say that. And I'm definitely not going to say that after every major song. So that's too bad that you don't think that. I actually like Don't Believe the Hype. I think it's a good one. But it's not as good as the next one, which I love. This is my favorite song on the album. This makes Rob's mixtape of the week. This is Cold Lampin. Now, what is Cold Lampin? It's a response, right, to a, a, a diss from... DJ Magic. God, Aaron, Mr. Magic. Me off. What? I was just about to say it's a response, a response to DJ um, um, uh, Mike Magic. Okay, here we go. Cold Lampin. <laughs> I thought Cold Lampin was what Aaron was doing out in that tent in the garage. I thought you were actually we, We've played a lot of clips with uh, Flavor Flav involved, and I think this was the one song where it's essentially him the whole time. And if, it's my understanding yeah. that Public yeah, Enemy is, is kind of like... The Beatles, where the Beatles would let Ringo do one song every album, and Public Enemy would let Flavor Flav do one song every album. And I have to say, I loved the the Beatles songs when they would do that, like with a little help from my friends and whatever the other underwater sea song that we did a few weeks back with with Ringo was. And I like the Flavor Flav songs too. I like it. Octopus's Garden. This song is good. Yeah, I like it. I, I do. It's it's a total change of pace, and I love it. And this also sets the tone for the next album, where he comes out with nine one one as a joke, which I still oh, think of as wow, the quintessential yeah. public enemy song. Which is why you know it, it barely has Chuck D in it at all. All right. So the next one, Terminator X. Do yourself a favor. Google Terminator X. What he looks like right now. He is absolutely terrifying. Now, Terminator X is kind of an interesting story. He got in a motorcycle accident in the late 80s. He now raises ostriches down south after, somewhere. After so. he That's feeds them, does he, does he walk away and every time say, I'll be back? <laughs> <laughs> so here's the deal. Have you guys ever seen an ostrich up close, by the way? Yeah. Yes. Jenny used to live next to an ostrich what? farm. What? Their legs look just like one of those turkey legs. <laughs> and I was like, God, I would eat one of these things so fast. Can you imagine a oh, huge yeah. oven? You cook up an I'd ostrich as a turkey. Oh, and you fill it full of stuffing. Ugh, that'd be so great. This might be a story for another podcast, but I have been to an exotic animal show in Chili Cotton, Nope, Missouri, it's the story for this podcast. Nice. Please show us more. <laughs> no, that's a story for this. Nope, we'll do it now. Yes. So is it true that you ran this and you were kind of a Joe Exotic situation <laughs> and you would hire like women to come down and help you out and dress in dressing cat outfits? Is that true? 
I, that part is not true, but I did attend. Oh. Uh, I did attend with uh, my grandfather, and uh, my dad is listening. It was not my dad's dad. Uh, he'll be. Uh, he'll. He'll um, appreciate the joke there. Uh, yeah, I went to a, an exotic animal show. Uh, they had some it's ostriches. Be out, so. um, they had a. I do remember they had a wolverine and uh, a badger, and the wolverine was pretty docile, and the badger would um, jump at the side of a cage uh, anytime anyone walked near the cage, and it was like I don't know in a barn somewhere off a highway in Chile. This Cosby. wasn't downtown Minneapolis. There wasn't a pole and you weren't throwing $1 bills on the stage. What were you wearing? Yeah. I was going to say, do you have to stuff your money okay. down exotic, exotic? <laughs> oh. I was going to say an exotic animal show. Like, do you have to give them the ones in their underwear or what? What's the deal? But it's the same damn joke. God dang it, Rob. Okay. Unfortunately, I also do have a sound clip for that. I should say. <laughs> I had to make that in front of my kids. Okay. Were they nodding the whole time? Yeah. That's and then I was like, can you do a voicemail where you call me and say that you like knew daddy better? And my daughter's like, okay. I was like, wait, what? You're not even going to ask like what's going on. <laughs> anyway, what's you don't care. Yeah. Steve is a great guy. All right. So Terminator X to the edge of panic. That is a fucking good name. <laughs> Of a song. This whole album is so loud and it just has to be played loud. I, I I did listen to it today at the gym when I was lifting with headphones. It sounds so good in headphones. It sounds it so like all encompassing and just terrifying. I was walking yeah. through Harlem today to get to the gym and I just felt like it's such a badass listening to this. And I was I just prayed. I prayed somebody at the gym was like, Oh, what are you listening to? And I was like, Fucking public enemy. Because, you know, normally it's like Jordan I Mitchell. Teapot X. That, that should be called Teapot X, not Terminator X. Literally, there's just a teapot hissing in the background for like five minutes. And, and I realized, like, hey, maybe people think this is cool. To me, the teapot on a few of these songs is like the Bob Dylan harmonica. I can't handle it. I'm not into it. It does raise my blood pressure. I agree. It raises my blood pressure. It's supposed to make you angry. You're supposed to get angry about all the stuff mm-hmm. they're talking about. One thing I was going to say is is one kind of cool thing I heard on this is we were talking about like sampling and sometimes like you you hear these things in these songs you're like I know that but I don't know what it is. And I heard this point on yeah. this song and I I just had to bring it up. I think it's See if you guys recognize this. Oh wait, is it cutting out? Is it cut? No. But yeah, that is actually no, it's supposed to be that way. That is actually the theme from yeah, Flash Gordon by God Queen. Damn it! I thought I thought, oh, that, right. I thought that was really cool. Like you know, there's so many samples on this, but to hear one that you recognize and like you know exactly. Oh, I know what that's from. I thought that was really cool. Also, when I heard this one, this is definitely it not made the me time think of a lot. When I heard the Flash Gordon sample, I didn't know it was Flash Gordon Russell. So good, good pull on that one. It did remind me a lot of what a lot of what Kanye does on my beautiful, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, which we're going to get to soon. Uh, so I think Kanye was borrowing from Public Enemy, who was borrowing from whomever when they start sampling prog rock and that sort of thing. Like that was out of the realm of ideas, and they brought it in. I had heard this because I also used to listen to the uh, Highlander soundtrack, which is also Queen. Here we go. Here, check this out. This song is number one for songs that I'll listen to the first 30 seconds of, and then the rest I couldn't. So it could sounds like less. Public Enemy thought the same of it. They used the first 20 seconds and then moved on. Yeah. 
well, right there. What, I'm just like, how, okay, goodbye. That's how they had to discover this stuff back then, right? They, they, they went to record sales. They grabbed a bunch of records from the crates, and then they just dropped the needle over and over again until they found a snippet they liked. And they the had to remember DJ that. Lifestyle. I mean, it was that's the whole thing. Yeah, way different than us pulling stuff up on YouTube or whatever. Yeah. These people had to go and buy a physical copy, and then they didn't know what it was going to sound like till they dropped the needle. I mean, they would have loved to have a you know Dick Gogs back then that they could <laughs> check out, or you know, go to PearlJam.com to get all their favorite albums. Right? But no, they they're just buying that, it by the right? crate. All right, so uh, Mind Terrorist. This was one of the kind of short interludes that they had in the album. Such good flavor, Flav, though. I love it. All right, Louder Than a Bomb. Woo, this one. Chuck uh, just knocked over my old stuff. Right? I just flipped over a car. I mean, such a distinct Matt, voice. what do you think it's of so the first set side of this album? You know, Chuck D could be with NWA and would be phenomenal, right? We'd, we'd know who he is and what's going on and everything. It just bugs the Flavor Flav album or the Flavor Flav portion of this group just bothers me. Mm. You know, he's he is all, you know, he's all up there. He's all about the the show, and he's all about just getting the laughs and getting the likes and all that. He's the uh, disgusting. He's the modern day version of a of one of these influencers on TikTok, or it's like the Robin Russ version of this podcast. You know, and and I I feel like the message that Chuck D is trying to say gets lost half mm. the time mm-hmm. because of what Flavor Flav's got going on. And half of this, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm struggling with this, because half of it, if I didn't know Flavor Flav from all of those stupid MTV shows that he was on and everything else he's done past yeah, that, boys. you know, I, I might not think that. But knowing Flavor Flav for who he is now, it just, it, 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 I struggle with it. Because I, I absolutely love listening to what Chuck D has to say. I think he's a phenomenal artist and certainly ahead of his time for what he's uh, doing here with the rap genre um you know we talked we brought up marvin Gaye and the influence of what's going on and they were using this album as a what's going on for what they had going on in their lives and so i don't know it, it, it I just, every time flavor flav comes on i just struggle with it it, it drives me bonkers i don't know one, <laughs> yeah. one thing matt I, is this an okay go ahead matt, matt was kind of mentioning that he kind of liked chuck d's rapping style but he wasn't into flavor flay but do you guys know another person that tried to emulate chuck d's rapping style was actually beck and so when beck came out of the scene when he was rapping in his songs oh. he tried to emulate chuck d and one of the songs he really did that on was loser maybe rob you could pull that one up So Beck, Beck had heard himself on some of his early albums and just thought, like, I'm trying to be like Chuck D and I am the absolute worst rapper in the world. And that is kind of one of the things that led to him singing this song Loser because he thought he was a terrible rapper. And so I got to ask you, when it comes to being terrible rappers, who does it better? <laughs> Flavor Flav is Beck. horrible. Oh, Beck. So oh Beck no way. Did so Beck did it better. You know what? I don't. I I cannot disagree with you more, Matt. I I love I Flavor to, yeah, Flav. I think I, he I adds something to this album. I think if it was all Chuck D, this would just be dismissed as like, 
I don't know what, like just a super kind of political angry, but with the flavor flavor, you get kind of these little drops of like, Hey, we can still have fun and talk about serious things. What, at if, the same what, time. what if you put, what if you put a clown, what if you put a clown on? Yes. Yeah, sign me up. On, Whatever you're going to uh, say next, sign me up in my bathroom. Any Jay-Z or, album, <laughs> put them on Biggie Smalls, put them on a Tupac album. I mean, you know, Chuck D is just as good as all of those. He's got just as big of a message and he's just as good as any of these influential artists that come in the early nineties. I would argue that I would want to hear flavor. I, I would argue on that Chuck D's message well. is more important than a lot of those rappers that we, that you've mentioned. Right. And that I think part of the reason that flavor flavor works with this group is he brings a little honey when everything else is very in your face. And I think it, I think it brings like a lightheartedness, which brings people into it. So I think there's, it's, it's not a lighthearted message. That's my point. You're, you're watering down the message by having this little guy in the background going, yeah, boy, 9,000 times. Mm. Hey, you need a hype man. I, I would kill to have a hype man. Rosie, what, what do you? I try to laugh at your jokes, Rob. Uh, I do think. Um, what the fuck is so that? I, to be? He's trying. <laughs> He's trying to laugh at him, Rob. He's trying, but it's so hard. I think, Matt. That's what she that said. <laughs> it makes sense that someone would not enjoy Flav, uh, particularly now what we know about Flav. But I think there are groups that went all in on the the message that Chuck was going with, and we don't remember them. <laughs> they didn't get played anywhere. Like, Public Enemy didn't get played on the radio, but they did get placed in movies. We know who they are. So I, I think that there is a certain amount of business involved in keeping flavor around, because if the message was going to get repeated mm-hmm. and if they were going to sell enough to still be around, then they needed something kind of different. So it, so it goes against what we've talked about earlier about is it selling albums or is it getting the message out? Well, I mean, maybe it goes against, but I, I, I think that they're kind of related. So I, I'm saying like, I think there are groups that went hardcore for the message, but we don't remember them because yeah, we they do. didn't make it to NWA. We're, we're not talking about them. Biggie Smalls. How dare you use our words against us, man? That's we, no, no, no. I'm talking thing. about. It brings up something we about said. KMD, talking about X-Clan. You know, I think there are other brand newbie and I think there are groups that really went further to to do the message and they didn't make it to the Rolling Stone. Top if you were to poll America and said, oh, you know, tell me about this group. Are they going to bring up Chuck D's name or are they going to bring up Flavor Flav? Well, I think that's a qu- that's a question of like, hey, are you polling white America? Are you polling that, black? Yeah. Yeah, I think right. that's a very it's a it's a, people have a very different experience with this album. Like. I guess I'm saying they don't they don't make it to whatever number they are on the Rolling Stone list without Flav. Right. I don't think. But I, and then well, I, you know. Yeah, but I I think I think and they like, need us you, to be. If talking you look about at us, them, or their legacy is fucked. Like if we're not <laughs> if we are not talking about them on this podcast, they got nothing. Oh, man. But think about I mean think about it. The, the reason I liked any Public Enemy at all was literally Flavor Flav because I had no I mean what Chuck D was saying had I could relate to it zero percent. I had no idea what he was talking about nothing but flavor Flav. i was like yeah this is flavor Flav is kind of my spirit animal like that's i wouldn't mind being <laughs> I flavor guess, Flav. yeah, I think it's fun. I, he had a reality show where somebody took a dump on the what? stairs that is what i am here for i, I love that it. stuff and that, and that's fine again opinions are opinions everybody's got their opinion i'm not saying anybody's is right or wrong but flavor Flav is the reason i don't listen to fair it. enough uh yeah i would say if you don't like the kettle whistle and you don't like favorite flavor this might not be your favorite album i'm gonna go out on a ledge and say that all right caught can we get a witness i mean it is true though the pace of all these songs is up tempo it's they're fast 
I did want the opening of this podcast being Public Enemy taking us to court for using their music inappropriately, but I wasn't sure if Russell would go for that. No, I mean, that would be ideal. Like, if we ended up in the news and we got more more publicity because we got sued by Public Enemy, I'm down. Like, the only thing that would be better is if Star Wars sued us, right? And then everybody listens to the podcast. They're like, I got to hear this episode they're getting sued over. And it starts with a siren and my kids say that she likes New Daddy better. And they'd be like, okay, I don't have to listen to this episode. Uh, never I mind. actually don't care. Can you imagine some poor jury having to sit through this? So now that was side one. And like I said before, right before they're going to press it, that was actually side two. It was going to end with caught. Can we get a witness? And it was going to open with show them what you got. And at the last moment, Hank Shockley of the bomb squad said, nope, I want to switch it around totally. All right. Show them what you got. Start a side two. That horn is so famous. You got, we have to know this from other songs, right? I can't think of any off the top of my head, Russell. So it turns out, I would love it to turns hear out that Public Enemy. So we know this from other songs, but Public Enemy actually sampled this from a song called "Darkest Light" by the Lafayette Afro Rock Band, and they recorded this song in 1974. Rob, can you pull that one up? Oh, it's so good. So this was this funk rock band that recorded this song probably 10 years before this this Public Enemy album. And this song has been sampled 128 times. 128 times it's been sampled. So you guys know it from all these other songs. So I thought I would give you a list of the five greatest songs that have ever sampled this song, Darkest Light. It's been sampled about as many times as all of our episodes have been downloaded total. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, we're not there yet. We're not even close to being there yet. So, so Public Enemy samples this, but I'm going to give you guys five other songs that have sampled this, and I want to hear what you guys think is the best one that's ever used the used the song. The first one is someone who's on our top 500 list a few times. We have Jay Z. Show me what you got. Wasn't this off his Budweiser album? I feel like this was in a commercial. This is this is stuff like after the Black Album when he came back and it was like fully commercial. This is more than I've ever listened to Jay Z in my whole life. <laughs> oh wow. Oh, we're going to have some fun talking about the blueprint, Rob. Yeah, I, I, Jay-Z is a fascinating Turn character to me. Number two on the list, All right. and, and I've only, I only know one song from this guy, but let me know if maybe Rosie or Matt, you know this guy. Chubb Rock, the song is called The Hatred. Ooh, I don't know this song. Aaron kept saying Chubb when he Rock. went into his tent, it's time for Chubb Rock. It's time to <laughs> score an old goal on Chubb Rock. But I got to go in my tent. I know, I know, treat him, I know the only Chubb Rock song I know is Treat Him Yeah, right. that's the one I know too. Yeah. Oh, this is nice. I think Chuck D was a fan of Chubb Rock, right? This also sounds like a Snoop Dogg oh. song. Oh, totally. Because they're sampling they're doing Atomic Dog, which is a George Clinton And I got to say, if you look at a picture of Chubb Rock, he looks like a guy that would be named Chubb Rock. I'll just put it that way. When, when, he, when he said, hey, my name is Chubb Rock, he'd be Not like, Not to yes, bury the lead, but there's another guy who might be nicknamed after being Chubby coming up here on this list. <laughs> so next up on the list is Ice Cube Friday. You guys will remember this one. So they kind of make it a little quicker at the end. They don't yeah, let the saxophone it. drag out, but it's the same thing. Or they looped it different, yeah. 
Remember Debo? Remember him knocking out Debo at the end of Friday? Woo! Imagine if some worm, clown was on the top of that going, yeah, boy. <laughs> Man. I'm telling you, you're wrong. You're horrible. Ice Cube. Would- <laughs> All right, next up, number two on the list, the best sampling of this song is Heavy D and the Boys, You Can't See What I Can See. Ooh. And check this out. I love part of the lyrics here. Hey, who's that? I'm singing on top of it. I already don't like it. <laughs> Here we go. Check this out. I love how he calls himself a big like belly band. Like, I don't know if Biggie Smalls ever did this, but calling yourself a big belly band in the middle of your rap is is just top notch to me. No one listened to Heavy D enough. No one's ever had a bad time listening to Heavy D. And I only know like four of his songs and every one of them is just so much oh. fun. His, the tone of his voice is so good. Oh, so why do so many rap verses start with here I go, here I go, here I go again? Is it just right. like, can you just rap anything after that? And it, it sounds awesome. for Heavy D. Maybe it's just because he's it maybe it's just because he's sampling the song "Darkest Light." He- Heavy D came out right in the middle of gangster rap, and he was he he'd be perfect for today's rap, and so he was just a little bit out of uh, he was a little ahead of his time. If he would have come out, Rest maybe I don't know, eight ten years later, he would have been pretty big. Well, you know who you know who was not out of their time? Rex and Effect, Rump Shaker is the number one song that ever sampled this oh, song. Oh yeah, for sure. Can't disagree. One of the first CDs I ever bought. Might have been number one. <laughs> I believe we discussed video. this Is on this a previous episode. A great video. Did, did you get the single where they had this on one side and then like this on the B side too? Like that was the album? Because how many other songs did they have? You know who wrote the third verse of this song? No. Pharrell Williams. Wow, I did not know that. A true American hero, the third verse that everyone can definitely remember. It's like Vanilla Ice when he gets to that third verse, and you're like, I'm not so sure on this one. I know the other ones really well. All right, so I I will say this. That that conversation does make me want to say, were you guys, I I don't know if I've ever listened to rap that wasn't gangster rap. And this, I would say, is pretty much the opposite of gangster rap. I mean, it's so similar in so many ways where they're kind of representing an ideology, but it was so interesting to hear somebody rapping about social issues rather than, you know, bragging or talking well, about drugs or whatever. That's but why that's, it is it's where it's at on the list. Did I tell you guys I had a rap group Did, when I was a kid? Have I ever told you about the band uh, I was in? What? We Russell, we no. don't have time to talk to your rap group. We cannot do this. Just kidding. <laughs> Let's go. All day, baby. <laughs> so I had, I had a rap group. I probably would have been about between nine, 10 years old, somewhere in there. So I had a rap group with four of would have been my brother and two other kids in our neighborhood. And our band name or our rap group name was called the bad boys. And we did. Now, wait a minute. How how did you spell? Um, I I can't remember if there was a Z or a Y or an S. I don't remember if we had any like publications out there. So I I don't know how we spelt it correctly or not. Oh my God. If anyone has a recording of the bad boys, I I have a recording of it at my mom's house. I will give you a thousand dollars. Oh my (laughs) God. Go get it right now. We will wait. Go get in the car. What are you doing talking to us right now? Ma, ma, I'm here for that cassette. I was just listening to the bad boys. Please don't take (laughs) this cassette from me. So we did two concerts and our second one was a Christmas concert where we hosted like all the neighborhood parents and we charged them money, like, you know, a dollar to come sit in my basement and listen to us rap. But it's funny because I just like I never really realized it now. But we I was essentially like the flavor flavor of our group because 
I only got to rap one song. My buddy Bill, who listens to our podcast, he rapped on all the other ones, and I just kind of played like some fake keyboard bullshit. What's in the back. Bill's last name? Oh, Bill. Bill's up in Where here. Where does he live? Bill's and so and so, yeah. but like I only got a rap on one song, but I, there's a video of like us doing our you know 45 minute concert. But the best part about our Christmas 45 con- minutes, wow! Oh, it was legit. It was Jesus, legit. a 45 minute concert of the, yeah, bad, the bad boys. boys. But the coolest thing about our our big concert was the whole time we we pu- we publicized that we had a special new member of the band that would be joining us for that concert that no one had ever seen before. So uh, now wait yeah. a minute, time out, time out, because you're rushing Sorry. this story, and I, I know that you're worried about time or whatever. We cannot okay. rush this story. Let we need marinate. to milk this story. We need to milk this story like dirty granny would. <laughs> Here's the thing, okay? Wait a minute, I'm gonna retake that joke. We need to milk this story like Aaron doing a uh, own goal out in the tent. Here's the thing. You gotta keep it off yourself. Okay, you gotta get a towel or something. So here's the thing. Gross. Again, I do not Delete support it. this. Now that's a two-point conversion. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. No, we're not talking about, oh, God. So here's the thing. Is that how did you, you say you promoted this. How did you promote it? And I'm going to tell you what I'm picturing. Hand-drawn flyers, and you have one person of the band that can do that Stussy X, or the S, you know, for the end of Bad Boys. They're like, I can draw that S. I've been working it out of my notebook. So that's I, like. I mean, my guess is we probably took notebook paper with, like, the blue lines across it and made some sort of picture and then went and put it around in, like, neighbors' front doors or something like that. Oh, my God. If I had a time machine, I would go back well, Rob, and watch I ha- that. I ha- that's I it. I have a video. Always- I can share it with you guys. Eh, that'd be okay. <laughs> that'd be okay. But so we'll the, the coolest thing about our our second and final concert was our Christmas concert. But we promoted the whole time that, hey, we have a new special member of the band, and they're gonna making they're gonna be making their debut at the Bad Boys Christmas concert. Okay, wait a minute. I'm gonna pray right now that the special guest was Santa Claus, and he came out and said, "My name is Santa, and I'm here to say I want to rap in a Christmas <laughs> way." Please. That's about. <laughs> I asked That's so about little. 90% correct. So what we did was we literally did like the first 35 minutes of the concert with just three of us my, without my brother. And so my brother just like sat upstairs by himself. And then at the very end of the concert, my brother comes walking down dressed as Santa Claus. And he's like yelling, ho, 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 as he's the new like fourth member of the band. And he literally oh, he yes. walked around oh. to all the people in my basement and handed out like you guys remember those NFL pencils, like the Oakland Raiders oh, pencil yep. or oh, yeah. the Minnesota bike. This story keeps getting better. So How can to it get all better? Our audience members, Santa Claus came down and handed out NFL pencils to our audience members. And then we played one song with him where he like tried to get this drum machine to work and was just like slamming it against the wall. And that was the end of the concert. <laughs> And we never played again. We broke up. You, just like the clash, you're breaking your instruments yeah, at yes. the end. You guys oh, need a reunion so tour. Just one concert. Please, please. I'll pay $1,000 right now. I'll pay $1,000 to get the bad boys together. I will buy a I'll Santa throw in 20. You got 1000 and 20 Let's go. Oh, my God. You raised some so money good. for that. I wonder who's made more money professionally singing me or Aaron. Uh, probably you. Yeah, probably you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would have kicked Aaron's ass <laughs> off my wedding so fast to have Russ and the bad boys come rap at that wedding. Oh my God, please. I would have been like, they would have been like, what song do you want? I was like, I don't want the song. I want the whole thing. I want 35 minutes of rap at my Here's wedding. The Rams pencil. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. She watched channel zero. So this is a cover of the sampling yeah. Slayer. Totally wild. 
this kind of this kind of blew me away. All, all of a sudden, you've got like you know heavy metal right in the middle of this album where it's totally different. And his voice fits over the top of that so well. It's so cool. The Night of the Living Bassheads. He mi- mixed up the movie Night of the Living Dead and uh, people who are addicted to crack. I mean, isn't it so interesting? The message here is like, don't deal drugs. It's so different than when I was used oh, to right. listening I, to I missed. Up. I was going to make a joke, and I, I was late on it um, because we got so enthralled with Russell's rap career, which we do need an entire episode on. But uh, <laughs> it's been it's been oh, a minute since boys. Rob said uh, did the Bill Simmons and ask us the question, answered his own question, then and then ran over any of us who might have answered the question that he asked about if we listened to rap other than gangster rap. But what else did you listen to, Aaron? Uh, I, so I, I, my, uh, with public enemy, I actually knew fear of a black planet a little bit. I didn't know this so much, but, um, I, I, I went through like a really big hip hop phase in my early twenties. And I went, I went like in sort of these waves of like, well, I got to listen to rap that like I can relate to. So I got really into the Minneapolis rap scene of like atmosphere and people who were like white dudes rapping about atmosphere. It. It's just a 12 letter word, you know, know right. Atmosphere. And then, and then I was like, He's been eroding ever since I keep spraying yeah, those bottles outside. And then it was like, well, I should, I should only listen to like conscious rap because that's, you know, that's like what I believe in. And then it turned out that like rap was always party music. And so it just, any rap that's good is, is good with me. So I've, I've been through the whole, whole gamut uh, of, of listening to rap music myself to answer your earlier question, Rap. Where would you, where would you put Chuck D on your favorite rapper list? So the thing is, I, I wouldn't have put him up that high because I didn't know him that well before going back back through this. So I, I I would be fronting, as they say, if I put him near my top of my favorite rapper list, because I no, I would be like, no. don't say that. I, <laughs> I would like be that. like, I wouldn't be telling the truth. But um, I think he's incredible. And I, I think it actually uh, it relates back to our Aretha conversation. And um, I'm going to get too long winded about this, but I will say. Some people are born with incredible voices. Chuck D was one of them. And I mm-hmm. think Flavor Flav was also born with an interesting Man, voice. Ugly, yeah, but useful. Yes. We call that Ubu. And, and, Ubu. Yeah, and Hank Shockley. And, like the, like yes, the beard and they use his voice like an <laughs> instrument. That's why his voice got sampled by other people. Because his voice is distinctive. Right. They yeah. use it like an instrument. And I think it's and, and they use the human voice as an instrument across this whole album, which I think is fascinating. So I don't know enough about Public Enemy to say that Chuck D is in my top five favorite rappers, but he's uh, he's uh, he's pretty incredible. He's he's talented. I want to send this out to any rap group right now. You can sample this podcast all yes. you want. Period. <laughs> Go for Do it. Do it all you want. Hello. You, you mentioned Chuck D's voice. And like, I noticed that, too. You know who I was talking about who Beck emulated trying to emulate Chuck D when he rapped. You know who Chuck D was trying to emulate when he started rapping. I don't say back. Wait, Marv no. Albert from being like a Knicks fan or whatever. And I thought that like, yes, I That's thought that awesome. was so That's cool. That's totally awesome. That would explain why he has that whole, why he has that whole rap song about biting girls in the back and like <laughs> dressing up oh, no. in women's underwear and stuff. I was like, where did that come from? But I now I get it. I think that's the hidden That's right after, right after Party for Your Right to Fight. I have a prostitute in my hotel room. Yes. yes. And one. I want her to bite me as hard as she possibly can. Yes. From downtown. <laughs> I don't know. I, I could see wearing women's underwear. Being part of your turn on? 
No, not even a turn on. Just wear it. It seems like great. It's more just, comfortable. You know what, it's like Rob, better design. I think you should. You know, between now yeah. and, and uh, next time we record, I think you should try it. You know, one or two days, and then just let us know how it goes. Yeah. See, I, I could. I think I could be done with that. It seems like it's silky and Maybe soft. Maybe record an audio like, diary of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just put a microphone down between my legs. You guys can hear me walk around for a whole day. <laughs> <laughs> And then the next week, I'll try to have people bite me as my erotic fetish. No, thank you. Have you ever gotten bitten really hard? It hurts yeah. like hell. All right. No. Black steel in the hour of chaos. The government, the other day, I opened and read it. It said they were suckers. They wanted me for their army or whatever. Picture me giving a damn. I said never. Oh, so good. Fun fact, I read that this is Chuck D's only murder ever committed on wax. In the last verse, he killed somebody. It's the only time he killed somebody on record. Yeah, he kills his the guard yes, in the prison. His only, his so that's only a song murder. that was inspired by him when he was in middle school. He saw his uncle get a recruitment letter into the military for Vietnam, and he said it was such a powerful image that it stuck with him, and that's what he made Oof. the song about. So stuff. it's about a black conscientious objector who kind of says the whole thing. And you know, I think later is it on "Do the Right Thing" where he says, "What does he say? Fuck Elvis! Like he's racist. He never did anything for me." And like it's just these super like I, I I any any of these songs with a strong message, I love it. Uh, all right, we're going to skip security of the first because I think it's just a uh, it's just a little drum break, and we're going to go to Rebel Without a Pause. God, it's a great name. Yes. <laughs> oh, they're firing up that teapot yeah. again. It's getting hot. This is from the James Brown song, The Grunt. That's where that noise comes from. But this is the one when the, they made this is the first song they made on the album, and they heard this is like this is the song, the sound we want, big time. And also, I should tell you that the drums on this are not a sample of James Brown Funky Drummer, because that's the drum beat, and they sample his voice at the end. This this was actually recorded with Flavor Flav playing that on a drum beat for that whole time. Speaking of Flavor Flav. I don't see how Flav, could do it. That'd be wild. That'd be so hard, I think. So for my drink of the night, I figured you guys would appreciate this. I decided to go with an old-fashioned, but I needed to spice it up, spice it up a little bit. So instead of just using whiskey, regular brandy, I've used apple brandy, cinnamon, and cherry flavor oh. bitters. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So just to let you know, that is the new intro of the podcast. I'm just going to play that. That is 10 times better than anything we've come up with. I don't even want to tell you how much time I spent thinking about what my cocktail would be to get out oh, the flavor bitters. Uh, Anytime I use bitters from now on, uh, I'm going to yell flavor bitters. Be like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, okay, well, listen, here's the thing. We have a podcast and it's called people be like, okay, goodbye. <laughs> All right. Uh, prophets of rage. When I was listening to this grading papers, those kids got fucked on their grades. Oh yeah. Cause I was like, fuck you. I'm going to grade this how I want to. <laughs> Just kidding. I only give A's. All right. Uh, now we have Party for Your Right to Fight. This is obviously, on Wikipedia, they're talking about how they're talking about the Black Panther Party, which obviously, you know, fits in. But this is a take on the Beastie Boys, right? They're 86, licensed to ill. It's kind of a play I on think that. Sam- I think a lot of their they songs are Rick plays Rubin. and I mean, other stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, they're all, all deaf jams, all- but... It's all Def Jam with Rick Rubens on, yeah. on the uh So do you think when they do this like type that? of thing, do they go get permission or do they just do it? At the time, they didn't get permission. A little column A, yeah, little column it was B. a different thing. Like, yeah. they didn't have to get permission at the time. They just went for it. No, I'm literally just talking about the title. I thought I was really smart by pointing that out, but I think everyone else has figured <laughs> that out since the beginning of time. 
I think the first caveman ever was like, oh, party for your right to fight. Very similar to party. Okay. In your the headphones, character, you got. not going to take off. Let's, I'm going to write that down. <laughs> well, maybe, it, maybe we need to invite the granny caveman next week. <laughs> Somebody say my name. I'm granny. I had two nights with Marv Alberts. I bit the shit out of him. Okay, got to go, Marv. I can't believe that granny got. That A, granny got back in the Zoom call, and B, that her voice changed drastically, I think, from the first time. I'm going to have to work on that voice, granny. All right. Party for your right to fight. Wow, what an interesting title. You know what I think of as the Beastie Boys. Party for your right to fight. Oh. Party for your right to fight. I mean, that right there, you can hear it in your headphones. It's just. But this is the crazy one in headphones because you have Chuck in one ear and Flav in the other ear. They went full on with the stereo panning on this one and it blows your mind matt can pull a russell and have one drop out yeah. and just listen to the one <laughs> yeah. side if he wants it's crazy if you listen to this in headphones it'll freak you out for a whole day i'm pretty sure the hidden track is where they introduce santa claus right i, I, I think that on the vinyl version i have that's what's up next oh we have a special guest tonight you hear me go I'm like i hope it's santa claus <laughs> <laughs> not more pencils <laughs> Final ranking, Rob. No, no, I have to think about this more. Oh my God, that's so fucking funny to me. I just love it. All right, let's get into our final rating. And now it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show. The patented and very popular Beck Did It Better rating system. Oh yeah! Yes, oh, I love good. it. Good, I love Rob. it. I, I I do appreciate though that Rob didn't explain in the in the soundbite right. what the rating system really means. So there's still no clarity on what's going on. <laughs> and if you notice, I did start that one with a siren as well. I think I've overdone it with the sirens. I think about ten of these have a siren in the front. It was very tempting for me to try to make a thirty second one where I was like boom 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 boom, boom. rolling well toned as if it's perfectly ranked on the scale. So this is at fifteen. Rolling well toned is if it should be number fifteen. Did it get rolling boned? It's too low. It should be higher up on the list, which is a lower number in this case. Or it is it a rolling groan? Should be lower on the list. The number is too high. But when I say high, what I mean is that it should be lower on the list. So don't get confused by that. It's a great rating system, as the song told you, Russell. How's it going? No, God damn it. Again, what is this called again? Roll, final rating, rolling well-toned. What do you think? I, For me, I can see why this album is so influential. When you listen to it and you think about the time when it was in and you watch the documentary that Rob had, had mentioned earlier, this seems like it was the right record at the right time and it provided a voice where there wasn't maybe a voice there. And so I have such an appreciation for how influential this was especially from like a sampling perspective and also providing people a voice who didn't feel like they had a voice at the time. For me, it's not my favorite rap album that we're going to listen to. There's a, I know a few coming up down the road, whether it be the chronic or biggie, or I know Aaron loves, I think Aaron said this on like four albums in a row. So I'm going to say, <laughs> I'm going to beat him to it, but enter the 36 <laughs> chamber. Like I listened to part of that today just so I could beat Aaron to it and say, Hey, like, should this one be higher? Unpredictable. But I, this is not my favorite rap album. I can see why it's so influential. I see why it is this high on the list. I understand it. For me, it's it. It's not one of my 15 favorite albums ever. So I'm going to say Rolling Grown, but I also understand the influence of it. So when you said beat Aaron to it, he did look over at the tent. <laughs> I'd noticed that. All right, uh, Matt, what do you think? What's your final rating? Uh, I'm going to go with Rolling Well Toned on this one. I think this is a perfect time to enter an album 
of this. I'm trying to say this correctly because I don't want to understate or overstate what I'm trying to say, you know, of this ilk, maybe, you know, this is a genre that has moved from pure party and dance. Um, and you know, this is very simple. It's too simplistic, but, but, uh, hang in there with me, you know, from a party and dance kind of uh hip hop R and B sampling kind of a thing to a, a socially conscious album that is trying to get a message across that is doing it in a way that is, uh, more or less punching you in the face. I mean, the problem that I've got with it is that they're talking about things in 1987 that we're still dealing with today. And so when I first time I listened to this album, I'm like, well, holy S, you know, like they're, they're talking about this stuff way back then. And, you know, we're still talking about some of this stuff today. And so, you know, it, it wakes you. It's, it's, uh, it's period appropriate for right now. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why I think it's, it's, uh, it's very powerful. I, I can't get over flavor flav it he, he bugs the crap out of me I've, I've stated that enough you know i do think he does bring something to the to the whole the whole um compilation compilation of everything you know which does that's but just it, it's just too hokey for me and so you know this this was an album that came out um there's some other ones like eric b and rakim that come out that we'll talk about later in the in the uh podcast here that are kind of on the same ilk with it. Um, I think for what it is, it's great and it's phenomenal. And it came out at a great time and uh, certainly deserves to be in the top 20. So I'm going to say that it's a uh, rolling well tone. Can I ask one question? Yeah. The whole flavor flavor thing. Do you think you would view oh. it differently if he didn't have the, <laughs> if he didn't have the, the reality TV show and he wasn't on all the commercials. Like, do you think it would be different if we just knew him as part of this group and not like kind of a reality TV star as we do now? Absolutely. I absolutely would. If he would, if he would be this socially conscious um, person today, still, you know, saying everything that he's saying here in these albums, you know, and saying these things that he's saying in these, on these records and, uh, you know, still trying to fight the power and all that stuff. If he's still, Saying I don't hear one single thing from him that's like that. Chuck D, he's still fighting the good fight. You know, he's still out there putting out albums that are uh, socially conscious and trying to uh, get his message across. But Flavor Flav was all about the show and get paid, in my opinion. And he did a great job of it, you know. But then, yeah, absolutely, Russell, I would have, uh, it would have totally thought differently of it. It will shock no one. I loved Flavor Flav's <laughs> reality TV show. I thought it was the greatest thing. Especially especially season three when all he kept doing was talking about cherry flavor bitters. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, who's that coming in as a special guest on the episode? Well, it's the bad boys. And they brought a special guest. We're going to see him 40 minutes later. I, I do want to call back. I, Matt pointed out, uh, he said that uh, hang, hang with me here. And Aaron did look at the tent again and then take off his belt. So I wanted to point that out. Oh, no. Oh, no. And that was real hard for me to keep that in my head, but I did it. Aaron, what did you think of the album? What's Ooh, your final rating? That's a real, real callback. Uh, I don't know. I, I kind of want to say Rolling Bone. I think it maybe should have been higher. I can't pick out which album it should have uh, bumped out of the out of the order ahead of it. But I think that it, um, and like I said earlier, um, I wouldn't have chosen it as my favorite hip hop album for sure. If you had said, you know, tell me what you think critics are going to say is the best hip hop album. I wouldn't have named this one, but it really, to me captures the time at which, um, 
just the, mm-hmm. the curve for hip hop went exponential where uh, rapping was getting better day by day. Production was getting better day by day. And it really captures the competitive nature of hip hop in New York at the time when New York was the epicenter of hip hop, where Marley Mara put out a beat and someone heard it and they had, they had to try to do better. And then Rakim rapped over funky drummer and someone said, Oh my God, I can't rap in the same old way anymore. Cause I got to try to do it better. And then Chuck D came out with rebel with a pause. So I, for me, I, I, I think I'll say uh rolling bone because it, it, to me captures exactly what was going on with uh, hip hop at the time, which became the biggest art form, you know, American art form uh, music wise since jazz. And so um, I'll say rolling bone. Uh, I think mm-hmm. the song. Yep. Sucks. Oh, I don't know why you would say that. That's terrible. I mean, to end it like that, it just seems disrespectful to me, but I guess. Aaron, you have such a good attitude. I would have quit this a long time ago if Rob did this to me. I think that this podcast is kind of like that too, right? Like people are listening to us. They're like, oh, they, we got to do better. We got to do better. You know, like, oh, they put the fart sounds to Stevie Wonder. Oh, my God, I'm going to put 10 fart sounds. Oh, I'm going to do 12 fart sounds. Like, you can only do so many fart sounds. And we found that out because I had edited that a lot, actually. <laughs> All right. So, Rob, what's your final rating? My final rating of Public Enemies, It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back, is uh, I think it's a rolling these track names own. It <laughs> was a tough one this nice. week. Nice. I, I'm telling you guys, the track names on this album blow my mind they are so freaking good that one chaos in the time of twisted steel i was just like yes this is what i'm here for caught can we get a witness she watched channel zero black steel in the hour of chaos if i got a tattoo and it said black steel in the hour of chaos awesome tattoo never goes out of style Put it over my kids' names because obviously they're happy. With <laughs> you're you're right, though, Rob. Every one of these track names is much better than "You're a Big Girl Now" or whatever that Bob Dylan one was we heard a few weeks back, right? <laughs> I don't think he sang a song called "You're a Big Girl Now," did he? I think you're thinking of was that a Bad Boys? That sounds kind of like a Bad Boys song. <laughs> no, I mean, no, Aaron knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> you're a big girl yeah. now, and I'm here to no, say, I- here comes Santa in a major Christmas way. <laughs> We what didn't cover that pencils? one. We didn't get the we didn't get the rights for it. We Guys, got sued for that what one. What rhymes with pencils? And now here's Russell's song, the one song he gets to sing called Jingle Balls. We didn't oh, have we Russell. didn't have British accents in our band either. We were <laughs> right stencils. Right? Hey, you got to get on that Def Jam tour. All right, next up we've got Kanye. Actually, we've got London Calling by The Clash. Guess what? Smash the instruments. We already did it. <laughs> See you later. Uh, but check out the last song on the album. Still one of the best songs on this whole list. And next up, we've got Kanye West, My Dark Twisted Fantasy. And I've got a little secret for you guys. I have listened to zero Kanye songs in my whole life. Wow, zero in your whole life? Oh, this is going to be fun. In my whole life, I have never, if they're not with Daft Punk, I have not listened to them. They are not there. It's going to be a fun ride. Which is a wild statement. (laughs) So this is going to be wild. Thank you for listening to Beck Did It Better. The one person who's still listening is probably Russ listening for edits. All right. (laughs) When you want to hear about the greatest albums of all time. But you're just too lazy to look it up online. If you want to hear four guys who chat and then they get off track, I've got the perfect podcast for you, Jack. Beck did it better. I got a I got a voicemail from Granny, and here's here's what it sounded like. Fact check. The song about sweat dripping off my balls is by Little John and the East Side Boys, not the Ying Yang Twins or the Bad Boys. 
Granny was that was Granny such a dropping callback. science. Granny Glad dropping we cleared that up. Woo! That was a callback so far. They use a rotary phone to pick that fucker up. Holy cow! Nice job, Russell. <laughs> All right. I mean, I was just gonna say that. You know, I hate to put a hat on a hat here at the end. But <laughs> Go for it. I was just gonna say that when I was talking about the Clash smashing their instruments, I noticed Aaron looked over at the tent. <laughs> We're playing the song again. That was when you want to hear about the latest albums of all.